Greetings to all of my brothers and sisters in Christ. You are listening to Shepherd's Gate Christian Ministries' Prepare the People, a podcast for troublesome times. I am your host, Brother Nathan Waldron, and on this episode, I would like to continue a conversation that we had started some time ago about the process that God brings us through in order to prepare us to be partakers of his holiness and to bring about the peaceable fruit of righteousness in our lives. In our previous conversation on this subject matter, we dove into why it's necessary for God to take us through the process of chastening us. That conversation lasted quite a while. I believe it was almost over an hour. So in recapping it, I will be uh, succinct. And if you want to have a better understanding of where we are coming from as we continue this discussion, I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. The title of that episode is No Mere Christian Part 1. Why the trials? Now, many of you listening have been wonderfully saved. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart and the spirit of Christ dwells within you. You have been initiated into the faith. However, the Bible tells us that we must go on to perfection. We must be conformed into the image of Christ, transformed by the renewing of our minds. This is the reason for the chastening of the Lord, that we may be inheritors of all that God has done for us through Christ. Now that we understand the why, let us turn our attention to the what. What can the child of God expect as the Lord strives to perfect holiness in his or her life as they march on towards Zion? Let us take a look at the God-governed test. There are two passages of scripture that I would like to put forward for our consideration The first is found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. And the second is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. These passages of scripture represent two temptations. One of the children of Israel in the wilderness. The other of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, after his baptism, and filling of the Holy Spirit. I like to connect the Old and the New Testament when looking at different topics related to the scriptures, because for some reason there seems to be a misunderstanding that the Old and the New Testament are two separate things. This this isn't quite right. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself, when arguing with the scribes and Pharisees, says that you think I've come to destroy the law, but instead I have come to fulfill it. And thus we see 
the book of Hebrews telling us that God in in ancient times and in different ways spoke to the people through the prophets. However, in this new dispensation of grace, he is speaking to us in finality through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy chapter 8 reads, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord God swore unto your fathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble you and to prove you and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and suffered you to hunger and fed you with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know it, that he might make you to know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the living God does a man live. Your clothes waxed not old upon you, neither did your feet swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord thy God chastened thee. Therefore, thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God brings you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. Matthew chapter 4. Um, well, you know what? Since I, <laughs> since I mentioned that scripture speaking of how Jesus has come to fulfill the law, let us start from chapter 3, verse 13. The Bible reads, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of you, and you come to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water, and behold, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And behold, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Chapter 4 states, Then Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to tempt him, he said, If you be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil 
takes him up into the holy city and sets him on the pinnacle of the temple and says unto him, If you be the son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and all the glory of them and says unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt only worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. In both of these passages of scripture, we can take note that the testing and the trial of faith and obedience unto God was under the direct government of the Holy Spirit. In the wilderness, the children of Israel were led by a cloud during the day and by a pillar of fire by night. In Matthew, the Bible says that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And so, my brothers and sisters, what I'm saying to you today is that the trial of our faith which is precious in the eyes of God is a process that is governed by the Holy Spirit. God loves us and desires to see us perfected. He will refine our hearts and our minds as gold in a furnace. And so the Bible tells us, do not think it's strange the fiery trial that is to try you as though something strange has happened to you, but instead rejoice because if you are a partaker of Christ's suffering, if you are a partaker of the same chastening that God put our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through, then when his glory is revealed, we also shall partake of that glory. But let None of us suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. If we suffer as a Christian, we should not be ashamed, but we should glorify God. The Bible says that the time is coming that judgment must begin in the house of God. And if it begins with us, what shall the end be of them who Obey not the gospel. And if the righteous are scarcely saved, where will the sinner and the ungodly appear? So let us ask God for the grace and the strength to lay aside the sins and the weights that so easily beset us. Let us embrace the cross of Christ and the chastening of the Lord as tools to help us to accomplish this, to 
perfect holiness in our lives and let us do everything that we can to ensure that the struggles that we encounter are at the hand of God and not the consequences of our own sins or our refusal to walk in the light that God has given us. Let us submit ourselves to the chastening that is governed by the Holy Spirit. Now, as we go through this process of chastening, I want us to understand that God will do as in the words of Deuteronomy chapter 8, he suffered thee to hunger. This hunger is not only represented or not only refers to the physical needs of the body, but also the metaphysical needs of the mind and the heart and the spirit. Oftentimes, God uses our desires or the things that we long after and seek for in order to draw us nearer to him and to strengthen our faith. He brings us into acute situations of need so that we can understand that, as the Bible says, a man can receive nothing that isn't given to him from heaven. And to build our confidence and faith in the Lord by seeing us through impossible situations. For me, this principle was born out in my life as my wife and I sought the Lord to be blessed with children. Years of trying and failing only served to increase my despair and to stoke my hunger. I was in a situation of, of crisis, uh, a, a test of my faith. You, you see, I was, I was taught that a man should work as if it all depends on him, and he should pray as if it all depends on God. But at times when I, when I lifted my hands to pray and to seek the mind of Christ, it seemed as though the heavens had closed their doors, doors of brass, and it felt as though that the earth underneath me was like lead. My brothers and, and sisters, I, I hungered. At times, the pain of being denied was so acute that it drove me to my knees and tears before the Lord. And then at times, it would recede into the background as a dull ache. I called upon the Lord and I said, God, your, your word tells me that if I asked, it would be given unto me. And if I sought, I would find. And if I knocked, that the door would be opened unto me. Your word says that for everyone that asks, receives, and he that seeks shall find. Heavenly Father, your, your word says that what man is there who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. And your word says that if men being evil know how to give good gifts unto their children, how much more shall my Father which is in heaven give me the good things that I am asking for? Hear my cry, O Lord. Attend unto my prayer. 
Your word says that if I have faith like a mustard seed, I can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. But Father God, there there is no salvation on the horizon and my prayers are not being answered. It was in this place that I had to stand upon the word of God with my faith as small as a mustard seed, truly finding myself faced with an impossible situation. The doctors can't explain what's happening. Of course, I can't look into my own body and figure out what's wrong. What's the issue? I can't peer into my wife's body and say, yeah, this is the problem. This is the solution. This is where you need to go. I tried to write it off and say, well, you know what? Maybe it's not the will of God that that I be blessed in this way. Maybe it won't happen, but the hunger was so great that I couldn't because if God is who he says he is and God is real, then he has to make a way for me in this situation. You see, I, I heard my father speak of the goodness and of the mercy of God. I heard my mother tell me of how the Lord provided for her in a way that seemed impossible during these dark times my prayer was god i i wasn't there when you gave abraham a ram in the bush i wasn't there when you opened the red sea so that the children of israel could pass through safely and escape the hordes of egypt i wasn't there when you turned water into wine i wasn't there when you raised lazarus from the grave i wasn't there when you walked upon the raging waves of the sea and bid Peter to come, but Father God, if you bless me, bless my house, bless my family with more children, children that I can raise to love you and honor you and serve you and praise your name, then Father God, it will be to me as though you've done all these things. My brothers and sisters, I hungered. The word of the Lord says that if I delight myself in him, he will give me the desire of my heart. And so the challenge was to love God, was to trust in God, was not to murmur against God as I asked for my prayers to be answered, to stand upon the word and the promises of God against a sea of despair and opposition and doubts. And when the Lord finally answered my prayers, my brothers and sisters. I was given a new understanding of the God that we serve. He was no longer the God of my father who had helped my father. He was no longer a God that was far off and removed who I seen work in the lives of other men and women who love him. But he was my God. He was the supernatural God of my faith. He was the God who was able to turn an impossible situation around. That's why I love the Lord. That's why I praise him. That's why I thank him. I say, God, I love you so much. I worship you, oh God. When I thought I would never have children again, you, you made a way, oh Lord. You proved to me that you love me. And so, Father God, as your word says, what? What can I render unto the Lord? For all of his benefits towards me, I will take up the cup of salvation. Help me, O oh Lord God. 
to take up the cup of salvation. Help me to honor you, to have a walk that is worthy of you, O God. Because, Father God, you who are once afar off have now been brought near unto me. The trial of my faith yielded something precious, a pure faith and hope in the goodness and the mercy of God. And so, my brothers and sisters, the Lord, our God, will suffer you to hunger. That by no means means that man is tempted by God, but God allows his own children to be tried and tempted. Brother Nathan spoke extensively about this, saying that God tempts no man to sin. However, God does allow his children to be tested and tried by the world, the flesh, the devil, our enemy, our own desires, situations, and circumstances. This was true of the children of Israel in the wilderness. And it was also true of the great author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. One final thing that I would like for us to take away from these scriptures is the fact that the testing that we endure as Christians is inextricably linked with the reward. It is inextricably linked with inheritance of all of the goodness of God. In the book of Deuteronomy, we see the scripture telling us that the Lord thy God brings you into a good land, a land of brooks, of waters, and of fountains, and of depths. In the book of Hebrews, we see that the chastening of the Lord is definitely linked to being partakers of God's holiness, and how the Lord is bringing us, to quote the Bible, to Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, and to the souls of just men made perfect. When we come to Matthew chapter 4 and the temptation of Jesus, we see that exact same relationship. In the final part of the temptation, Satan brings Jesus to a high place and shows him all of the kingdoms of the world. And he says to him, all this I will give you if you will but bow down and worship me. World dominion was in view. Christ's divine right as the inheritor of all things was at stake. And I'm thankful to God that unlike our forefather Adam, the second Adam, the man of God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, demonstrated to us how we should respond and react when we are tempted in such a manner. The word of the Lord is this, I am the Lord your God, and you shall have no other gods before me. We are children of the Most High God. We are co-heirs with Christ. And despite the hunger, despite the temptations 
that the Lord may allow us to suffer. We will serve the one true and living God, and we will not turn our backs on the Lord or grieve the Holy Spirit by which we are sealed until the day of redemption. My brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to fight the good fight of faith. I encourage you to bear this always in your mind that even though the Lord, our God and Savior, may allow us to hunger, we should keep in mind always that a man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And the word of God says that while we were without strength, Christ died for us, the godly for the ungodly. And the power of God is at your disposal to sustain your mortal frame as you journey through the wilderness. Before we depart, let us pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you, Lord God. We thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ, into this world to die for us. Father God, we thank you because your word tells us that as a good father, you chastise us to bring about the peaceable fruit of righteousness in our lives. Father, we thank you. God, we pray for all of those who are going through the wilderness, Lord, all of our brothers and sisters who you are allowing to hunger. Father God, just as you sustain the children of Israel, in the wilderness, Father. So we ask that you sustain and encourage all of our brothers and sisters throughout the world, O Lord God. Remind them what your word says, that men are always to pray without ceasing, Father God. And so, Father God, we worship you. We thank you, O Lord God. We thank you for where you've brought us from, O Lord God. We look back at all of the old landmarks, Father God, all the times in our lives, Jesus, where you were made very, very close and real to us, O Lord God, by providing for us supernaturally in impossible situations. We pray that you watch over all of us. Keep us, Lord. Lead us and guide us. In your name we pray. Amen.